welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast for Thursday, December 3rd, 2020, otherwise known as National Roof Over Your Head Day, which I have no idea what that means, but it sounds vaguely making related. Well, since last week was Thanksgiving, be thankful for the roof over your head. And do it on a national level, please, people. Yeah, we need to make sure everybody is feeling this way. Sounds like just a gratitude for shelter kind of a day. There you go. Started exactly. by, the, by big roofing. Yeah, it's a more big specific roofing. Thanksgiving. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna just drill down on each thing that you could be thankful for and get a day going every consecutive Thursday. Yeah. So what's the next Thursday? Thankful for heating. Yeah, just heating. We'll it's like do- the three thir- there's like three survival things. You know, you can need like fire, food, and shelter. So, so that's going to be the yeah. next weeks. There yeah, I learned that from Dual Survival. Great discovery mm. show. Nice. Yeah, okay. what are you guys working on? Sorry, mm-hmm. got a little sidetracked. Ben, I know you're pumping out videos, right? End of the year fest. Let's see. I just finished up a heated concrete bench. I mentioned mm. it before. Yeah, I we were talking about a- it last week. Yeah, it it worked, and I finished it. It looks great. Pretty simple. I project. want to know how the concrete actually works. How hot does it get? How quickly does it get hot? And then, is there any kind of things that you would do different or went particularly well? Wasn't hard. It it heats up to a nice sort of ninety five degrees after about an hour or two. That's cool. The mat itself will heat up to one hundred and fifty degrees. It says. I don't think it quite gets that hot. And wow. obviously, there's a lot of thermal mass. There's about 180 pounds of concrete. So it takes a while for that concrete to get up to temperature. Okay. I did use some insulation behind the mat. It was just more of a, I just wanted to see in general, like how long it would take the thermal lag to heat up that amount of concrete. It's definitely not a system I would repeat for, you know, functional benches. But I, for the first test one, I wanted to, sort of figure out one thing a would heating and cooling the concrete rapidly cause it to crack didn't have any problems with that and now that i see that i'll probably work on a more elaborate system that uses a more expensive and more efficient heating system so right that this makes is sense. a rubber mat that you stand on so not you know using it for you know inside as a heating element is a little bit janky but for mm-hmm. 50 bucks it was the right price for the test and It'll be a nice little prototype that we can use around the house. The real smart way to do it would be to put in tubing into it and run hot water from a boiler through it. Right. So right. That's that kind of what I was thinking just now, too. Go for, for it. it. Yeah. Like, I know they do that in houses, like under tile floors and stuff. I'm pretty sure it's water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For radiant flooring. Right. right. For so, radiant so, heating. Because then you can use propane or something, which is a very efficient way, dollars and cents wise, to heat up water. Water has a great properties for heat transfer, and you can just pump it through all the furniture. Obviously, making a modular system with hoses sort of connecting in and out would be, you know, messy. You'd have to kind of plan for it way ahead when you're building the restaurant. Right. I think I think if it's done right, I mean, the smart way to do it wouldn't be to do it in concrete. It would be to do it in the cushions itself. And then right. use a battery system that's pressure sensitive so that when mm. you sit on the cushions, the heat turns on. And when you stand up, it turns off. Right. That would be so clever and efficient for all these people that are trying to eat outside. And then maybe for the table, you put radiant heating on the underside so it radiates down onto your legs. 
And I think that would be like a pretty nice way to do like outdoor dining. What if uh, you just chose a restaurant that serves like foods that make everybody really gassy and you, de- you derive some kind of cushion that just stores everybody's farts and turns them back into heat? Right. So talking like a, a <laughs> right, like a biofuel, well, methane, methane is a usable, renewable energy. Yeah. There's actually plants that sometimes <laughs> will use, they'll harvest methane out of landfills and then use that to produce electricity. And methane, from what I understand, it burns pretty clean. So it's not like burning that gas is then creating another sort of, you know, carbon thing. Don't quote me on that. It's been a long time since I was in, involved in those things. But yeah, you could be onto something, Chris. All right. Get them fart cushions. Yeah, that's cool. I was over at Maker Ranch a couple of days ago, and I think you have like five projects all in different stages currently, Ben. Yeah. So I owe a lot of content to sponsors that's always do at the end of the year. <laughs> but yeah, I have most of them built. I'm working right now on I cut a bunch of wood today for the cedar hot tub, which I think is going to be the most interesting and probably best performing of these projects. I'm excited to see this one. Yeah, it's a shame that Flex Seal was such a pain in the ass to work with because I'll probably use some and they would have been the perfect sponsor for them. But they're just so freaking stupid. Talk to like, <laughs> like great product, dumb people. Like they, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I will not speak as harshly on anybody, but I had conflicts trying to work out a deal with them too. Cause I wanted to make a flex seal boat and I really did pitch it hard to him. Cause I talked about it on the podcast once. Yeah. Well, it turns out they listened to the podcast and reached out after the episode and they're like, well, Hey, love Ben's funny comments. stuff. You have they're a gonna great love product, but you, your product is great at sort of this, like, uh, let us be like your infomercials. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let and, us come up and find the creative solutions you know, with I, it. Don't tell us, like, here's the three ways you can use I it. I think that they're smart people and they make a fine product. And my Venmo is Chris Salamone. No, I, <laughs> no, straight up. Like, they they refused the, the good idea so it would hit big just so they could try to get all these different variations of the product mm. in into the thing. And... Also, they just did some pretty shady things with like on, you know, there's a lot of sort of, there's a lot of bells and whistles and a lot of attitude, you know, this really had to go through a lot of approval. And so structurally, the dumb thing is to have the people that are collaborating with the people that you're collaborating with not actually be able to make any decisions. So you're playing like this disjointed game of telephone. If you empower the people at the point of attack so they can be more effective rather than playing this this game of overlooking Telephone. everyone's shoulder, right? So if you trust somebody to maintain a relationship with a influencer, trust them to actually make decisions on creative with the influencer that'll actually perform. So you're, you know, getting more bang for your buck. But I'll be using them anyways for the the Cedar hot tub. And my thing is that even though I didn't have a great experience sort of working with them, it's a thing where it's like, if I think the product's good, I'll still use it and I'll still mention it. Like, I, you know, there's no sort of animosity there. The product's the product. The people are the people. The product tends to last longer than the people. So the hot tub should be fun. It will be, it'll be, it'll be kind of fun. One, there'll be sort of two challenges, figuring out how to obviously make it waterproof. I'm not doing that sort of mitered round tub thing. It's going to be a rectangular, super big bathtub. And, you know, just making sure all the screws hold with that amount of water weight. That'll be the first challenge is 
keep it from leaking and keeping the water from pushing out the sides and pulling screws out and fasteners. And then two, coming up with a good system to heat it. And I did that recent hot tub and that sort of worked. So I'll be interested to see if it if it's powerful enough to, to, to heat up this tub full of water. Are you thinking about maybe I, doing something a little more beefy? I got an idea for heating it. If I could recommend I, farts. farts, please. Oh, <laughs> that's more aerating, Chris. That's more okay, for the bubbles. Yeah, it's true. The good you part want those is jets, if you, right? if yeah. you got hot gas, it just heats Perfect. up the water directly too. So I Boom. think no middleman. I, I think I actually have two propane water middleman. heaters on hand. I have the Jewel Co. Yeah. one, which I used for the last one, and now I got their recirculating pump, so I'll get to test that out. And then I think I have I bought a different one that will involve. A little bit more difficult of a hookup that if the dual code isn't sufficient for heating it up, I'll use that one. But uh, cool, we'll start with the easy. So that's all going good. The other thing I've been experimenting with is limestone plaster. So it's a limestone plaster. I showed you some samples of it the other day, Mike. And out here Very in Joshua cool stuff. Tree, yeah, a lot of the nice Airbnbs will they have this like it looks like a Venetian style plaster. So it's real smooth. It's a limestone plaster, not a gypsum plaster, which means it's way harder. So, and it can even be used in shower surrounds if you just want this beautiful matte plaster finish that's waterproof enough. So I was trying to think, I, I want to use it for some architecture projects, but I had Didn't you test putting it on a cinder block, right? Yep. So I coated a cinder block with it. So cinder blocks, you know, are super rough. And I made a beautiful, smooth, white cinder block that looks like cast white concrete it's mm. kind of weird seeing like that basic profile that kind of iconic shape but right. all like smooth and and pristine looking mm-hmm. and i'm thinking i'm going to turn it into a little nightstand make it like a wood drawer that fits in and kind of a quick little fun diy project so oh that's pretty cool and that plaster stuff you can mix any color pigment into it they as well got right some fire pigments and it's like a dry oh, powdered cool. pigment but it goes in really evenly i showed you a sample where we mixed it in with some white concrete and it came out like bright green oh so those are the same pigments you yeah. would put into the the wash yeah, stuff the okay yeah the so plaster a lot going on you'll be seeing a lot of content coming out yeah pretty pretty excited for this kind of holiday push what about you, you know, guys? Just, just as an aside, this might be a little bit too inside baseball, but don't you guys think, I mean, I, I understand why it happens, but it's crazy that it happens that like, there seems to be the most opportunities at the end of the year for like sponsorships and that kind of stuff. And then the two months that it happens in are kind of like half months because of the holidays. Like everybody yeah. wants things all at the same time. It makes it very difficult. Sorry. Uh, I know we're all Whoa. entitled here and I'm it's That's something what, to prepare for though yeah, in the future sure. once once it's, you're in like august or september and everyone already blew their advertising budget for you know until holidays right. build up a little lead maybe who knows that's why you know for the companies i'm involved with like semi-exact make a brand big push should be like just after new year's like Starting like January 7th is when yeah, you Yeah, when nobody do wants to do anything. Your big ass bet. Ad rates are way cheaper. And exactly. Yeah, yeah. For Cash like, the check when they come. But then the things that you have equity in, the things that are yours, that's all going to be evergreen. So do it while it's cheap. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Don't, there you go. don't follow the trends. Follow the value. Or honestly, oh, that's you right. probably, yeah, yeah. Even, even if you didn't have your own thing to hawk, 
You could just be like, I'm just going to make this stuff and not attach anything to it and just hold it until the end of the year and have way yeah, shorter right. hair in my videos that for some inexplicable reason. Continuity yeah, that's sort of what damned. I was saying. Yeah. yeah. All right. What do you got going, Mike? Me. I am fixing up the house. Finally mm. working on the workshop, getting that weather tight, fixing some, well, one side of the door is basically falling off. So I'm working on getting that put together and then fixing all of the, the hot shots. Great. I floated. I did a, I I did a couple of flood coats over top of the original concrete to get it even more smooth. Mm -hmm. Still not perfect, but definitely workable. Yeah. I think what I'm going to do is just make a cool little building platform. Cause Ben, you're, you're kind of the guy that was like, Hey, just building in the floor. Right. But I hate to say it. You're kind of right. It's cool because you just get to lean over everything you're doing. You get the bird's eye view. So if you're circular sawing something, you're not trying to look at mm, yeah. look at the straight line at a weird perspective. You're shooting it right down the arrow. So it's great. So I think instead of working directly on the floor, I'll come up with a couple of cool like little building platforms, maybe some ways of like creating some workshop essentials for people that are in non-traditional workshops since my space is kind of small and I'll eventually be in the legit big shop. But aside from that, I've been working in the backyard. I'm building a small deck for the bus. Later this week, I'm going to be renting a tractor or a Bobcat from Home Depot and I'm going to be leveling out. Well, I need to get... I need to level out the backyard exactly where the bus is parking. That way I, I can get it situated. Okay, don't roll this anything, one. But, what? Don't roll this one. Oh my gosh. I forgot I did that. Wait, so when I, that rented, was this. I rented a backhoe from <sighs> Home Depot. Like a small one. That was one. the scariest thing. But in the moment, I was so calm. I was I held it all together, but you go. So I rented a few different pieces of I guess not. I guess they're heavy machinery, but they're on the small side of heavy machinery, like the the Kubotos, like the small little mini excavator, and then a bigger sort of like skip loader with a claw on one side. And I was using them for digging out septic stuff, digging out trenches for running lines between the containers. Mike wanted to level out a pad for the bus. So he's like, oh, can I borrow that? I'm like, sure, sure. You know, he's from Oklahoma. He knows what he's doing. can happen? Yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> Mike rolled it, <laughs> dude. And it was you didn't get video. Of you it know, how, that's the shame. That's because I had done everything. And just like every time anything goes wrong, it's when you're like, oh, let me just do this real quick. I had leveled the whole thing. The sun was going down. But I was like, hey, I can see this little corner could use just like touched up a tiny bit. And so I went to grab a couple of scoops from over here to build up this corner. It was going to take three, five minutes. But as I was turning to get some material from one side of the tractor, I hit the wrong joystick, moved backwards, and then that kind of tilted me over the edge I was sitting on. Hmm. The tractor rolled. I jumped off. I held it all together. It wasn't even something in the moment where I was scared. I was just like, step, step, land, safe. Shit, I just broke a tractor. (laughs) Like, this isn't mine, Home Depot. First off, it's under Ben's name. Second off, Home Depot owns it. Like, this is all a terrible, terrible situation. But I'm not going to do that again. I definitely learned my lesson. Hopefully. Continue on the mic. I feel like we interrupted you with the tractor story. As our our buddy Chris Zepps would say, be careful, don't die. (laughs) Exactly. 
No, I don't think uh, too much beyond that is happening. Like I said, I'm working working on the backyard in the bus while the weather is good. Mm-hmm. Out here in California, I think we got like another week or two weeks before the cold really sets in. So just taking advantage of it. Nice. So Chris, we're going to get to what you have been up to. But first, a word from our sponsors. Thank you, Storyblocks, for sponsoring this episode. If you're unfamiliar with them, Storyblocks is the complete stock solution, providing an unlimited library of high-quality, royalty-free video, audio, and images through cost-effective subscription plans. So if you're a creator and you ever find yourself stuck because you're looking for that perfect sound effect or B-roll clip or a template to adapt into a graphic, or maybe your agency's always in need of stock photos or illustrations, Storyblocks is perfect for you. So for example, one place you might be used to seeing these sorts of assets on my and probably a lot of other people's videos would be things like the graphic animation templates that come across a screen asking for people to subscribe or like a video, or probably even more common, the background music. Now, there's a few things that help to make Storyblocks different, but my favorites are, one, you can use the content you download anywhere, including YouTube, and it's royalty-free for commercial and personal use. And two, they're always adding new content and updating things to make it the best possible experience for users. So head over to storyblocks.com slash modernmaker to learn more. Again, that's storyblocks.com slash modernmaker, or click the link in the description. Today's episode of the Modern Maker Podcast is sponsored by ConvertKit. ConvertKit is the all-in-one platform to help you easily market and sell your digital products online. ConvertKit's free plan helps creators like you turn your passions into a full-time career by growing your fan base, promoting your work, and building a meaningful relationship with your audience. You can share your work with your fans by building a custom landing page in minutes, which can showcase your work and your upcoming projects. It's what people can find you through Google on. ConvertKit's email designer helps you create beautiful simple emails that help turn your casual audience into true fans. Writing personalized and professional emails about your work and process helps connect you to your audience. Basically, ConvertKit helps creators earn a living by doing what they love, with tools to help promote your work, sell products, and announce new projects to your fans. So make sure and go to ConvertKit.com ModernMaker to sign up for a free account and find your audience faster. Seriously, guys, if you sell a digital product online, whether you're a photographer, a writer, maybe you want to sell some woodworking plans, hint, hint, ConvertKit allows you to do this all in one place the best way. So one more time, that's ConvertKit.com slash ModernMaker to learn more. All right, Chris, what do you got going on? So a couple weeks ago, I was talking about the coffee table that I wanted to do for a set of plans. So... I settled. I actually ended up going back to the first design, that kind of spider table design. You don't even drink coffee. How would you know I how do. to do a coffee I table? I do now drink coffee. What? What? Yeah, that's right. Decaf. And, no. <laughs> and beer and wine are coming next. Gateway to heroin. I, <laughs> Seriously. I believe you. No, I what probably kind of, won't You getting some Folgers or are you doing real coffee? do you put no, into no. it? What? Just a little cream. Wow. wow. I imagine I Chris being you. like Will Ferrell in that movie, Kicking and Screaming. I found like a he figures out about coffee. Too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It'll put hair on your it's chest. Man. <laughs> I'm so what do you drink? What are you, now. are you just making co- coffee in a pot? I'll drink anything. If, I mean, oh, okay. I'll just like, you know, go to Dunkin' Donuts or McDonald's nice. or yeah. if it's at home or just give it to me. 
Okay, welcome to welcome to the coffee world, Chris. Thank you. It's All good right. to be here. So, coffee okay. he's gonna so, only, soon he's going to only be with drinking like fancy know, uh, like boutique like coffees. Yeah. Uh-huh. I drive into LA every morning. Like. He's going to be telling us about French presses and pour overs. Mm. So yeah, since I'm drinking so much coffee now, I figure I need a table to set it on. So Badoosh. I went back to that spider table design. And that was where like I knew how to do it, but there was just like this one joint that I wasn't quite settled on found a way to make it where there's like really only one spot where you really have to dial things in nice. And I figured that's not an unreasonable ask within a set of plans before it was, there was two things converging together, which like the two things are greater than the sum of their parts in terms of difficulty. So now I feel like I'm well within reason. I know this is also like one of those things where I don't know if you guys can picture that coffee table, but like people always have yeah. questions about the strength of the joint. So I made a little test one just to be like, I'm just going to make one and break it. Just see how strong it is or whatever. So I haven't tried to break it yet, but I did set it up and like just stood with one foot on the joint and it like doesn't even bend. So it's I'm not going to lie. I set it up. I breathed on it really hard and it, and it didn't fall down, <laughs> but it did not come apart completely. But- I get, I get how kind of the joints converge on the classic table, but are you putting in some kind of big tenon? Like, are you using the domino, like where those, yeah, where the stretchers connect? Yeah. And the domino is what I used the first time, but I would say that the variable that's been taken out of this one is the way that it used to go. It was three points that all came together that all had to be perfect. Oh, I see. Now the way it is, is you only really have to get the outside edges of it perfect and the inside you end up removing later so you basically have like unlimited wiggle room on the inside so it makes it considerably easier to nail because before you basically when you cut the like triangle joint at the end of the stretcher it had to be where both of those joint faces were equal to the thickness of the leg it was joining to now you don't it's just left wide so that makes it a lot easier and that's why like once i came up with doing it that way i was like okay this is now suitable for plans so it's been coming together pretty quick like i started on it midway through probably like i don't know maybe last week on wednesday didn't work on thanksgiving worked on friday a little bit on saturday and like I'm pretty deep into it. So like, you know, I was worried like getting it all out by the end of the year, but I think we should be pretty good on all that. So yeah, just kind of plugging away on that. And I'm trying actually that that's been like the biggest lesson that I've learned from these is do not wait until the end to start like writing out all the chapters in the voiceover, which I know Mike, you always like kind of like edit as you go on a project. I try right? to. Yeah. It like, I don't do that, but doing it for these is a must because otherwise you get to the point where you're like, God damn, I got to sit here now for like four days and just write chapters. And that's like the least bearable part to me. I bet. I hate the start of those four days. You're doing that before you put the footage together too, right? Well, so yeah, like what I had done in the past was like, so I would film everything. I would chapterize it all into folders and then I would go through and write all the voiceover. Then I would have to record all that. And like just the writing the voiceover and recording and getting all the, that like talking on camera and all that stuff edited was like a week and a half of work. And so this time I'm like, nah, I'm not going to wait till the end. Like I'm just going to kind of like get three chapters done, write up those parts. Maybe if I have a chance, I might even like film them so that I'm not even actually finished with the project when I'm filming it yeah. so that I don't have to do it all at like one time when it just kind of sucks to do it that way. It's just not fun. 
No, I believe it. Yeah. But overall, the plans are worth it, right? Because you keep going yeah. and you keep making more. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, glad. we've been getting a lot of feedback. There's, we actually got this one piece of feedback the other day that I think I'm going to actually put it in the video or in one of the videos as like a testimonial because that's like always one of my fears is like, oh man, are these plans too hard where like people won't be able to tackle them or whatever? And this guy wrote in and he was basically saying like, you know, I'm pretty new to this. And like, I definitely had to learn a lot of things along the way. He even like bought a joiner to do the project because he didn't have one before, but like he got yeah. it done and it turned out awesome. Like it came out so good. So I, I hope it'll be like something to kind of like push people that might be on the fence. Chris, I was, I was looking at your spider legs and I think you'd, you'd tease something cause you were working on them on Instagram. Mm -hmm. I think I think you should do like a steel version of them for semi-exact for the real lazy DIYers like yeah. us that uh, that want to have that Chris Salamone look for a coffee table, but are like, man, my table saw is a contractor saw and I <laughs> yeah, got a horizontal exactly. sander and I only got two by fours in plywood. I actually drew something up that that, that was something that I want to eventually do with them at some point. So... So he, he, he yeah. was my initial thought of it. And I'm curious to see what you like. I think you could do it as sort of a T section where we laser cut out the one piece that sort of you see as the side and then you mm -hmm. do a bent spine that goes around it. So if you were to cut a section through the leg, it would sort of be like a, a T. But that way you could get all those tapers and it would still be really strong. Mm. So my kind of first idea was... If, if you can picture or pull up the dining table that I did, that's kind of got the same aesthetic yep. where it's four just like modular legs. There's no, they're just like, you know, picture like an L shape or whatever. There's no center stretcher or aprons or whatever. Then you can flat pack. Yeah. So you would do it in two pieces mm -hmm. and then also have like a series of elongated holes on the underside of like what becomes the flat part of the leg, the part that attaches to the underside of the table so that they could account for any kind of wood movement. You could basically do like elongated legs that run like so that you could angle them at 45, but the elongated hole would run perpendicular to the grain of the table. And you could do them like a few different ones. So like you don't use every screw hole for attaching them. Right. You just use a few of them. Depending like on what orientation you have the leg in. I like it. Then it's a, it's, it's a smaller piece of steel. Yeah. Smart. Thank you. So now that Got we all questions? know what we're working on. Yeah. Should we, should we go back to doing the questions that people were nice enough to send in? Yeah. yeah let's hit it. All right. So let's see. Where did we, did we leave off with who was your celebrity crush? Yeah. <laughs> That's the last one I remember. But I think we did keep going. But okay. We did not answer this. Somebody asked... Pros and cons of different wood species. Ooh. I mean, I guess the obvious is what you like the look of is the most obvious pro and con, right? Well, let, let, yeah. let's think of all the criteria. Okay. Obviously, aesthetics. Yep. Then there's uh, structural properties. There's yep. cost is probably actually going to be the, the biggest one for a lot of people. Yep. The other thing that I don't think gets brought into this enough is composites. The idea of plywoods versus solid woods or particle boards, OSBs, and kind of these synthetic hybrid type products that are on the market as well. So I would say, are there, are there any other 
category. I mean, there's other specific categories like hardness and sort of strength and flexibility and things like that. Yeah, I guess I think, like environmental type. So like, you know, if it's going outside right. or depending on where you live Ooh, or something like that. Stay away from that paddock. Yeah. And you got, I was about to say, and then you got some stuff that, you know, like red oak that's got like long kind of splintery grain. It can get like ugly cross cuts really easy, but maple or birch, yeah, it'll burn ability. on you, you know? Yeah. yeah how yeah. easy it is to work with depending on there what you tools you have. Yeah. So, I mean, w- the way I look at it is <laughs> I want things that'll look nice, but cost a little bit. And so I think plywood is a great way at this particular moment to do that because mm-hmm. Mid-century modern is still really popular. Plywood associates with that. Plywood's cheaper than sort of solid wood. And if you're not so into that kind of farmhouse chic kind of look, that sort of Joanna Gaines, Shanty to Chic Girls kind of thing, then two-by lumber is probably... It's just a little chunky. Right. Two-by lumber is great for that kind of shabby chic look or that modern farmhouse rustic look. So that's not really what really moves me too much. So that's why I'd say plywood is sort of, I think, the the best option for practicing and making stuff that looks pretty good. Mm -hmm. Of that, there's a lot of variation. Mike and I really like the Radiata Pine plywood when it's available at Home Depot as sort of a cost-effective alternative to Baltic birch. I'd say one of the most underrated woods, I think, is poplar. As a sort of solid wood that's in between kind of a hardwood and a softwood, it's really easy to work with, very consistent grain, very few knots. It machines really well. And if you do like a whitewash finish or a tinted stain, you can kind of get rid of that green look, which some people don't like. But I would say lean into the green and actually do a green tinted stain and kind of emphasize it. And I think you could do some pretty cool furniture there. Other than that, I think, you know, I think it's like my favorite cut of steak. Here's the food analogy. Here we go. <laughs> it's the cut. I don't think whether it's a ribeye or an. I've had ribeyes that were terrible and New York strips that were great. In general, I sort of favor the ribeye. But is New York it, strips supposed to be like a cheap cut or something? No, it's still expensive. Okay, but there's they're just different. They're sort of comparable in price, but I think ribeyes slightly more. Mm-hmm. So all things being equal, I prefer the ribeye, but I've had plenty of ribeyes that were worse than New York strips that I've had because it comes down to, you know, <laughs> how was that cow treated and how was it prepared? So I don't get too caught up. What I would say is look at what deals are available to you locally. And that way, that'll sort of help you stand out if you're a content producer nationally because you're going to be the person that uses that thing. If you're not a content producer and you're someone that that sells stuff, again, look for what's cheap and readily available to you locally, but then look at maybe some finishes that will emphasize something that's a little bit different from your competition out there. So if everyone's building red oak in your area and it's starting to look all kind of the same, maybe you get really good at ebony stains and do some really sleek all you know murdered out oak furniture because oak is re- one of the nice things about oak is that the grain has a strong relief so even yeah. if you do a completely black opaque finish it still, still looks like wood it. whereas like poplar for example you do an all black finish it looks like plastic right yeah i would say so those are all good tips and then i would say like for a different kind of person so let's say you're just building something for yourself to keep you know presumably forever or for a very long time at least 
I would say like, obviously you still want to like think about costs and all that, but don't overly worry about it. Like I get a lot of questions from people where it's like, Hey, like I'm building this thing and you know, this type of wood is too expensive. Actually, I was just talking to somebody the other day. They really wanted to use white oak plywood, but they were worried about the cost of it. And so they were going to use red oak instead. And they were asking if I knew like any finishes that would get it to look like white oak. And I was basically like, what's the price difference between these two things? Like, what are we talking? 20, $30 a sheet. And if you're using three sheets, like 90 bucks to have something that you know you're going to love versus not love or potentially not love. And you're going to already be putting, you know, 30 hours into building this thing and you're going to keep it forever. Like just spend that 90 bucks if that's right. what it comes down to. Make sure to. you value your time as much as you do your money. Right. Yeah. And, and also not only that, like now if you're talking about like staining it, not that that's going to cost $90, but it's going to be more time like Ben was saying, and it's going to be, you know, potentially not as good looking. That I, I, I would see this people make sort of what I would think is not fully logical decisions when I was an architect and people were making decisions about bathroom tiles, they get stuck on sticker price. Mm-hmm. So if you look at like a bathroom remodel, the labor is going to be more than the material cost because you got specialty labor like plumbing, you got a lot of installation and then you have tile, which is very tedious. And people would be picking their tile and be like, I really like this tile, but it's $12 a square foot. And this one's only eight. Yeah. And they're like, I guess I'll go with the eight ones because we want to be conservative on the budget. Meanwhile, the labor is exactly the same. So they're thinking that it's an actual, that one tile, the $12 a square foot tile is 50% more than the $8 a square foot tile. But right. when you factor in labor, which is the same for both of them, it's, right. it's much more like 10% cost difference. Yeah, and, that makes sense. And not only that, but also the scale of what you're using, like the how scale many matters, square feet. Right? Yeah. Right. That's the other thing. It was like, uh, you know, you're not using that many square feet yeah, it's in, not like, in most bathrooms. There's there's some big bathrooms out there, but for it's most... It's not so the bathroom at the Delta Terminal in LAX or something. Make, make sure you're thinking about... I think that's why it's good to think about value more than price all the time, is what's the value of your time? What's the value of the material? What's, what's the, the value, value of, your of, your, of your aesthetic preference? Like, if it's if it's kind of like... I prefer this one, but they're both fine. Then who cares? But yeah, you just got to recognize where the impact is because listen, if you have really nice walnut and then you cut it into ugly shapes, you still lost. Right. But to that same point, if you had really good shapes and you compromised on the material too much or the material compromised on, made you compromise on the shape, something to that effect then you're also losing your punch. But if you know where your punch is, if you've got a beautiful side table and Ben, you were talking earlier about, you know, figuring out what you have available locally to you. If you have a really great console table design and you need just standard dimensional hardwood lumber, building it out of, you know, walnut or like where I'm from, I know pecan and hickory is really common because that's what grows there. Mm -hmm. And so if you go to a local mill, it's really cheap, but that is really great wood. It's right in the medium tone. Some hickory is darker, kind of tends to be like walnut. Other hickory is a little bit more like, what do you use, Chris? For, you mean for, It looks like the wood you use. For walnut? No, 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 no. The other stuff oh, you've beach? been real hype on lately. Beach, yeah, it's, it, it can get that same kind of beach or uh, kind of tone to it. Love that beach. But the reason I bring it up is 
if I go to a place like OKC Sawmill, for anybody out there, go to OKC Sawmill. They're the best. Everything's air-dried, so it really just depends on what they have when you get there. But you get that for borderline the same cost of what you would be getting construction lumber at Home Depot. You know, if you got some five, like a, a five-by-four deck board that was pine, you could get the same thing. You could get hardwood for the same price. Mm. The only difference is it's just what was local, and it's right. like the the stuff people are sawing to you local. Yeah. But the impact on a on a console table like that, it's not going to come from the difference between walnut or using white oak. Th- this the is impact what, is the shape. The material is just there to support it. This is how I'll conclude this question is don't spend so much time thinking about the all the different species that are, everyone else is using all around the world. Find out right. what's most available to you locally and then spend your time not on researching species, but finding great finishes for those species that are available right. to you locally. Because then you got the cost inside lane and you'll be the one spending your time on figuring out how to finish it so you can yeah. do the most with the best option that's available to you. Yeah. And can we quit using all these novelty woods like Purple Heart? It's not doing anybody any favors unless it's like something particular where it really lends itself to the project. Yeah, like you're building a, a shrine Just make to it look Exactly. There you go. That would be perfect Purple for Purple Heart. Up, Just don't put it in the sun. Yeah, don't put it in the sun because apparently it turns piece, brown. Go for it. Otherwise, yeah, but nah. <laughs> the impact shouldn't be coming from the novelty of the wood you're using. We all have seen that enough with like wood slab projects. Yep. Nowadays, you never look at a slab project and be like, wow, that slab is crazy. The ones that stand out are people that are still doing something new. People are right. still trying to find new things. So don't just lean on the material. Don't pick a novelty material. You know what would be funny, though? If I ever, I'm going to do a live, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to do a river table with purple heart, but brown epoxy. Mm. Oh. Switch it up. <laughs> oh. It's like a, the sewer <laughs> the table. The <shit> river table. <laughs> It's called the cesspool table. table. (laughs) (sighs) All right, another question? Yeah. Yeah, let's do another. This one comes in from Nomoloska. And actually, I just noticed I don't always say people's names. So sorry, I'm not always remembering to say people's names. But lucky day for you, Nomoloska. How much do you consider footprint in the design process? So the overall space of something, I guess? So do they mean like ecological footprint? Do they uh, mean like how so. big, how much space <laughs> Maybe it they takes? Do. I thought of it as the latter, the like, you know, footprint in your house or the person's house or whatever. Well, I do think about like my footprints in my studio because you know, we have painted floors. So like <laughs> footprints definitely <Yeah>. show. <laughs> so if I had any advice around that is, well, you just need to build whatever is natural for your space. I think the thing that I had a little bit of a struggle with whenever I started building was just finding your starting point. Right. And what's helpful for that is just knowing what's standard. And the beauty is we have Google. So you can Google standard dimensions, coffee table, dining table. It'll let you know a dining table needs to be 30 inches high. You know, that sort of stuff. Yeah. And then from there, footprint is really just how it feels in the space. And that's just so subjective. But always air for plenty of room to walk around. You don't want your stuff to cramp up your room. Yeah. Like, okay, so how do you decide on how big the cedar hot tub is going to be, Ben? I think about a normal bathtub and then what I'm dissatisfied with it and what I would like more. So Mm -hmm. I want something... I want to keep it as small as possible so I'm, you know, less water to heat, less material, all those things. But I want it to be able where I can lie down flat in it. So... 
I made it six foot six. So you can just full on stretch out and submerge all the way. I just feel like being able to stretch out in a bathtub sounds like so nice. Luxurious. It's not that deep. So I didn't make it as like a jacuzzi will often be like up to three feet deep. But a lot of that's just for your feet to go down because you're sitting upright. I think it's always better. So I'm making it about 22 inches deep, but a full six feet long. And then I'm going to make like a little headrest that's like kind of scooped out like a like a horseshoe. So yeah. you can have your face just above water, but you could full on just like take a nap. Mm. Then you could put a lid on it. It'll be a coffin. Perfect. Just your head popping out. <laughs> well, yeah, I think it, like, you know, I mean, take some mushrooms, like just sit in the hot tub and stare up at the stars in the, in the tree. Dude, in the as long as your nipples don't pop out in the cold. <laughs> that was whenever you were talking about the depth of it. I was like, as long as those nipples don't pop no, out to, like a normal. Okay. So how deep do you think a normal bathtub is? I bet it's more shallow than you would expect. Probably somewhere around 26, oh, 22 to 26 inches. A bathtub? It's like probably 16, I would guess. Less. It's 14. Like a, no way. Yeah, bathtubs are really shallow. Wow. Yeah. Go go measure your bathtub and and get back to us. Yeah, Mike, like think a, about it. If it was that deep, that'd be like stepping into like your dining table. Like you'd have to like right. get a ladder to get oh in Oh my there. God, you're right. So that the is height, tiny. The, the height from the exterior is somewhere between 12 to 16 inches, which mm-hmm. means the interior depth. Right. And then when you, you don't fill it all the way to the brim. Yeah. So you really right. only have about 10 to 12 inches of water. So... Ooh, that's something else that suck about tubs. You should make it to where it can fill all the way up or very close to the edge. Let's flood people's bathrooms. It doesn't need to flood over the edge quite, but it should should fill up high. That's cool. So I like the things that are oversized. The other thing, what I'm trying to source right now for my new house is I think urinals are awesome. They also use less water, so good for the environment. You know, save Mm -hmm. the rainforest and the, the pandas and all that shit. Really important, but also more ergonomically convenient. But my favorite urinals were always like the full height ones that kind oh, of yeah. looked art decoy that went yeah, all the I way know. to the floor. They're the best. So when I was a kid, you don't, don't even have to aim. Sorry, right. go for it. Right. <laughs> Stand <laughs> like there and just, pee at the wall. Yeah, yeah. You, can, you can just keep checking your email and stuff like that. <laughs> then you don't even need to wash your hands afterwards. Like you're all set. It's a great mm-hmm. time. So those, Chris. Yo. Those seem like those were more prevalent when we were really young, correct? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The first thing that I thought Same of when you said me. it was like yeah. elementary school. Right. So I want to find an old school urinal like that. That is luxury, bro. Wouldn't that be That baller? is real luxury. So there, there, I remember we were looking at really cool bathrooms the other day, and there was one that had a bathtub and a shower next to each other. Mm-hmm. But the surround of the shower and the tile of the tub, it was all the same finish. It all blended together. It was very cool and separate at the same time. But... Imagine no the ceiling. opposite side of urinal. I was about to say, but then you just turn around and there's a floor to ceiling <laughs> urinal just waiting for you. I know. Just like, like, yeah. Well, here's the actual benefit that I was, that I think would be sort of real <laughs> is it, it's supposed to be bad for you. Like if you wake up in the middle of the night and you got to take a leak, mm-hmm. like turning the lights on kind of like wakes you up. It like starts some sort of circadian rhythm or something like that. Apparently, it, makes it sense. triggers yeah, a bunch sure. of hormones, whatever that sounds reasonable. Sort of, right. We're not scientists here. Yeah, do your own research. <laughs> if you haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> but like turning on the lights supposedly wakes you up more. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, and P 
peeing at pitch black. <laughs> yeah, hearing the pee not hitting the water also wakes you up. Right. You're, you're going by, you're, you're like a like a submarine pilot. You're doing it by yeah. sonar, just like waiting for the right splash. Oh, that sounds a little titty. Got to move it towards the center. Uh, so urinal would just mean that you don't even need to turn the lights on. Yeah. Which, the, How about a catheter? Then you don't even need to get out of bed. Yeah, it's also there not comfortable your turn over. Yeah, yes, you're to sleep in. <laughs> so, things to think about. Oh, one, one story to think about. that I forgot to bring up was, and this sort of what we've been up to, Mike and I ordered swords off of Amazon. Oh, Mike, Yeah, we a had a little too? Friendsgiving and had a well. couple too many whiskeys. Yeah, so now that Mike's in his new house, we don't hang out every day like we used to when he was in Maker Ranch, but we'll still have our sort of like weekly dinners or so. We were, we were, yeah. we were having a few whiskeys and we ended up talking about swords and saying, I bet you we could get some pretty cool swords off of Amazon. So got on our phones, ordered a bunch of swords, kind of forgot about it. And then I all of a sudden <laughs> swords started showing. I up. started getting emails saying <laughs> yeah. your package will arrive tomorrow. And I'm like, what? And then like I texted Mike and yeah, so we bought a bunch of swords and surprisingly they're affordable. pretty badass. Yeah, they are not too expensive. I remember back in the day when you would go to a shopping mall, there was all those sword stores. You yeah. know, you'd walk into one and it was would you? it was for, for as a kid, it was the coolest store you could see because there's ninja stars in the window. There's like water fountain, like holographic water fountains and Mike, stuff like that. You might be too go young to have seen them, but do you remember like late night infomercials where people would be selling swords? Oh, swords like sword direct. Yeah. <laughs> those were awesome. I love Cutlery those Corner. Yeah. Cutlery Corner was one of the shows. So they get on there and they're talking like this. We got a '96 set. No, of, these were like ninja swords. Yeah, like to like hang no, on this, your wall. This was like these would cold be steel, right? So like these would be like a set of a hundred pocket knives to tonto blades. But then every once in a while they would throw in like ninja swords. So. I got something called a tactical katana, which I'm pretty excited about. It looks pretty tactical if I say <laughs> so myself. I'm getting it flashed at me in the webcam. I'm getting, yeah. whoa, the sword is flashing me in the webcam. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that, Mike. <laughs> Not the tactical, <laughs> <either> tactical <laughs> katana. So be on the lookout on Instagram. Mike and I will, I think we played a little Fruit Ninja before. Mix in with throwing chunks of two by four that we sliced up. So, I remember we had a pretty cool machete that we destroyed a lot of coconuts with. Oh, that was with. the sword Jesse made. Oh, yeah. How close nice. did you guys get to ordering any nunchucks that night? Oh, nunchucks we can make. <laughs> I didn't even get close. I don't want to lose a testicle. Let's be real. No, a tooth. Like, that's where you, you get flicked up yeah. and it hits you in the face. A tooth and a but, testicle. Well, I mean... <laughs> If you're going to sign up to learn how to do nunchucks, you're assuming you're going to get hurt a certain number of times. I'm not even signing up. Not interested at all. Okay. Nunchucks are such a stupid weapon. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. I want to know. I want to get a big sword and play with that instead. Right. So check out the Instagrams. We'll have some good sword content soon. Oh, guys, have we done a, a second ad break? I know. Let's do one now. So for people that hate their phone bill and are ready to cut ties with big wireless, Mint Mobile offers premium unlimited plans for just 30 bucks a month. By going online only and eliminating the traditional costs of retail, Mint Mobile is passing these savings on to you. 
All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. So use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. For us, we just had to switch out a SIM card. And if you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their 7-day money-back guarantee. So break up with Big Wireless and switch to Mint Mobile's premium unlimited data plan for $30 a month. So to get your new unlimited wireless plan for just 30 bucks a month and have it shipped right to your door, go to mintmobile.com slash modern. That's mintmobile.com slash modern. Cut your unlimited wireless bill to $30 a month at mintmobile.com slash modern. And last but not least, we'd like to give a big thanks to Skillshare for being a sponsor in today's episode. Skillshare is an online learning community where millions come together to take the next step in their creative journey. With thousands of inspiring classes for creative and curious people on topics including illustration, design, photography, video, freelance, and more, Skillshare is sure to have a class to take whatever you're interested in to the next level. With Skillshare, you can learn how to make a gift that's one of a kind, either completely personalized or perfectly imperfect. Everybody loves handmade gifts, and that's something that I've done for a long time. Ever since a kid, I was building planters and gifts for my family, especially my mom. And it didn't matter how great it was or how terrible it was, she was always just excited and just as proud. So if you are interested in learning a new skill, hobby, business, or creative endeavor, Skillshare is offering classes designed for real life so you can move your creative journey forward without putting life on hold. Their short classes are perfect to fit your busy routine, you'll create real projects, and get the support of fellow creatives. One Skillshare class that I took and got a lot out of was titled Instagram-Worthy Photography, Shoot, Edit, and Share with Brandon Wolfel. Within this class, you learn a lot about what makes a good photo, but even more important, Brandon Wolfel goes through the process of selecting photos and optimizing them so that they can perform best on Instagram. So explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash Modern Maker, where our listeners are getting a free trial of premium membership. That's two weeks free at Skillshare.com forward slash Modern Maker. Once again, the link is in the podcast notes. That's Skillshare.com slash Modern Maker, where you can try out a Skillshare premium membership for two weeks free. Skillshare.com slash Modern Maker. Now back to the show. And we're back. So, so I learned about something new this week, fellas. Oh, do uh, tell. Have you ever heard of a Matterport scanner? Yeah. Like a 3D camera? I had camera? one done of the container house. I um, am having one done of is the it? house that I got here in Joshua is Tree. It, but the, explain it. The quantum guys, or it's like a purple thing on Instagram? No. I just had someone reach out to me on Instagram. His name is also Mike. I don't remember what his last name, but he just hit me up in my DMs. He's like, hey, dude, I was watching some videos and that he's built a couple of things that I've made. And he's like, Hey, I got like crazy good camera equipment. And also I just kind of picked up this Matterport scanner. If you're interested in doing a 3d scan of your house before you do any of the renovation. Yes. So essentially it's this heavy duty 3d camera rig that you set in a tripod in your space mm-hmm. and it rotates around and it does What I assume is just kind of like the best quality 3D scan of a real space that you can actually get. And then it makes like a CAD file or it's just like a picture that you can look at? There's two things. It scans both the geometry and the texture mapping. Most things only do just 
the dimensions with a laser, they don't actually image scan. The Matterport is really important because it does both and it links them together. Mm. So you can actually take a virtual tour that you Boom. navigate. So I did one for the container house. It came out awesome. Similar story. The other thing you can do with it, Mike, is I'm an advisor for a startup called Skip.io, which just launched. Okay. They, I think they just got like $10 million in funding, some ridiculous amount for their Series oh. A. Wait, and what are they? It's an AI company. So they'll design, so they can produce in like one second, once you have the Matterport file, they can show you like 700 different cabinet layouts for your kitchen with renderings instantly. Oh, because it does all the measuring, so it's up to... Right, and they have a complete database of all these things. So you just pick out finishes, and they'll show you, like, okay, so your stove could be here. Here's what it looks like. If your stove's here, here's what it looks like. Yeah. So they can just work out all these scenarios for you. Because this Matterport is so sick, because you could use it from an engineering perspective, because you're getting all of the measurements done precisely. A hundredth of an inch. I can't remember what their margin was, but yeah, it was it was it was an exponent like three or four. Then if you are a realtor, what you were just describing, Ben, you can do a virtual tour of the house. You can literally just like it was a video game, walk through. And if you have furniture in the space, the furniture will be there. I've seen these things on on like Redfin and stuff where you see like an isometric view of like the interior of the house. Mm hmm. So. I'm going to be doing it when the house is empty. I'm going to be doing it for the befores. Oh, that's so awesome. So I can have... Yeah, that'll be awesome a, for, for your videos. Dude, I'm going to be doing things that TV doesn't even have the budget to do. I can just green screen myself into it and do all of these crazy things. So How much I'm is excited a for it. Uh, you can lot. pick them up for a few grand. Let's get one. <laughs> I'm Let's looking it up right, right now. now. Yeah, you, you guys talk. I want to I, I find it out. No. Yeah, f- go for it. By now, it's we better just, just to one. get an operator to do it and process all the yeah, files for you. <laughs> just get it. Yeah, that is definitely that true. Often. No, I wouldn't imagine unless you like got into if you were like a real estate developer or something, maybe. But it looks like you would get into it for right under five grand. Hey, I got five grand burning a hole in my bucket. Listen, for anybody that's looking for anybody that's looking for a side hustle, this sounds like just a gravy train, though. How many people make great money doing real estate photography? Somebody that's got. I don't know, something like a Sony A7S with an ultra wide angle lens. Yeah. People people that are doing real estate photography setups, this is literally letting the the equipment do all of the work for you. Not to min, not to say one is better than the other other, but if you're a real estate photographer that are doing things for Zillow and Redfin listings, if this thing only costs five grand to get into and having that as an upcharge. That is a gravy train. Yeah, I think that this would actually be good for somebody who doesn't do real estate photography and just do this because this You're is right. Like, like less if you are the real estate thing. instead of hiring somebody, I apologize, Chris. I just talked just over like, you so bad. Even just be like, hey, I'm looking for some new thing to get into. Like, I can invest seven thousand dollars and like have everything covered that I need to be up and running. I've got my Matterport. I'll get a website put together, register a business, everything I need to do. Like it would be a pretty low cost investment. I'm obviously there's going to be some learning there, but I'm sure like, you know, a person of average intelligence could get it all figured out fairly quickly and be up and running and, and get it going. It seems like it actually would be like a good little, like, you know, for somebody looking for a change. Yeah. It, even if it's a side hustle, this sounds like a really cool thing. Cause if you get, if you get hooked up with the right realtor or the right, you know, real estate company and you're dealing with somebody that's got a lot of listings, 
that's pretty cool. That is definitely some side hustle potential. Look into it, people. Matterport. And then and if anyone forget. does it, follow up with us. <laughs> yeah. Let us know because we would love to hear a success story. We'd love some All Matterport. Right. What are you guys obsessed with? Mm. Shoot, that kind of was my obsession. I'm going to have to All think right, of something so new. Okay. Did you watch the Jake Paul, I Mike Tyson <laughs> fight card? Dude. Okay. As much as anybody has feelings about YouTubers playing sports or about Jake Paul or Logan Paul, let's just give it up for Jake Paul real quick. <laughs> he starched Nate Robinson. Hit it, Ben. So what's interesting is I've never watched a Jake Paul video in my life, but I was interested in whether or not this sort of intersection between sort of a mainstream pop culture thing like NBA basketball and the mainstream side of independent media, which is what I would say sort of Jake Paul represents. Yeah, for sure. And it's kind of seemed like it was dominating Twitter. And it was really interesting where I don't think people understand that like fighting is a lot more like tennis than it is like uh, a decathlon. Like I think everyone thought that was like was like especially my friends that are more fans of stick and ball sports. They all thought that like, oh, well, the NBA athlete, they're great athletes. They win in fights. And I think they're thinking back to high school where they're like, oh, the athletic kids that were good at sports were kind of the bullies and beat up the, the, the kids. I think what was interesting about it is where people started to realize that fighting is much more of a skill than just a obviously athleticism plays uh, a, a deciding factor if all else is ev- uh, even. Right. But it was what was interesting about it. And the reason why I brought it up was the whole card and production was like kind of a shit show, but very entertaining. And everyone seemed to kind of like it and enjoy it. And I don't know if it was because it was like a sort of a, you know, it's a pandemic and we want something kind of whack and crazy and, and informal. But it seemed to be like the really popular thing. There was a UFC card that same night and no one was talking yeah. about that. Everyone was talking about this. And it's just an interesting reminder of and, and this is how I'll tie it back into what we're doing is that we tend to think when we're heavily invested, when we're passionate about subject matter, we tend to think that the doing what's most appreciated by the experts will garner the biggest rewards. And time and time and again, that that's not the case. People Yo, don't okay. actually want to watch the best boxers fight. They want to watch right. people that they know and are aware of get what's coming to them. Okay, so really quickly, when you guys were... In your mid-20s, who was the most famous 23-year-old? Because Jake Paul is the most famous 23-year-old guy. Was it like Ben Affleck? No. Well, he's older. Or like, yeah, you're right. So so somebody that's like a contemporary that was the most famous. Maybe like Justin Timberlake or something like that for me? Yeah, it would have been like, it would have been, well, maybe pick someone that's like, Less of a dancer. <laughs> well, uh, Justin Timberlake fighting anybody. I don't I don't think that's fair. I bet you could kick some ass. <laughs> but like 
who was a kid actor, you know, Macaulay Culkin. Leonardo DiCaprio. It He's would be like Leonardo too. DiCaprio being like, you know what? I'm trying to get more famous. I'm going to get into a boxing match because people don't really have the perspective like of realizing. <laughs> yeah, people don't, people don't have the perspective of realizing it's like this is the most famous 23 year old male no, on the planet. It would have been. And he got into a boxing fight it, and won it. It would be. And made an NBA like who was an NBA superstar for a solid four it years. Would be Leonardo Look DiCaprio fighting like a clown. Isaiah Thomas. Like, it was crazy. <laughs> who? Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas. Thomas. No, From, who fighting who? He said Leonardo DiCaprio fighting Isaiah Thomas. Yes. Boom. There you go. Like, shouts out to the guy. That is, that's a ballsy move, and it, like, speaks to where the world is now. Like, it, it's, it doesn't matter who's the best. You're right. It's like, so people are showing up to watch it. That was my my trash. And it was entertaining. They yeah. followed up. That was my trashy obsessed with. I I definitely like watched that and it was pretty entertaining. Soup Dog was All great right. on the mic. But the more high quality one was I think me like I think like 70 million other people watched mm. Queen's Gambit. It's good. It's like undeniably good. I haven't it, heard it, of this. I've what, heard of what it, but it? I've not watched. I don't even know what it's about. It's on Netflix. It's about a chess prodigy, not a true story. It's based on a book and it's a seven part miniseries. So it's not like a series with cliffhangers that's going end to end. It's just really good. It's like somewhere in between. Okay. So did you ever see the Sherlock movies that Guy Ritchie did with uh, Robert Downey Jr.? (laughs) Yeah. They're kind of like fast paced, a lot of quick edits, but like pretty stylish and kind of cool. It's like in between that and a Wes Anderson movie with like okay. a really well, like production, A plus storyline, A plus performances from the actors. Everything's just really, really good. And so the, I was kind of late to the party because the subject matter just wasn't that. I'm like, chess, eh, not that interested. But it's so bulletproof on every other part. And it's only seven episodes. And it's a great hmm. story. And it's it's just really it's really good. Nice. Cool. Well, here's a question for you guys. You ever watch an Apple TV show like an Apple original? I have not. I watched Dude, one suck. episode of the morning show <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, they're they're rough. What did you they're watch? Bad. They're not even as good as YouTube videos. So they <laughs> well, spend. I watched Jason Sudeikis. I watched, Isn't that one? I watched two. I watched one with Jason Sudeikis, and, and I'm happy no to good? say, and I will argue with anybody under the sun. They didn't write anything. They were just like, "Hey, Jason Sudeikis, be a nice guy from like the South somewhere." Uh-huh. And so he just walked everywhere and was just like, "Oh, I'll be from the South and say something nice." Is it good? And then though? bad things funny? are going to happen to me because bad things happen to good guys Ted in comedies. Lasso, right? Yeah, that's Ted, Lasso. Ted Lasso. Not funny at all. And I'm I'm telling you. It was not written. They were just like, Jason, you can handle this. We need you. And it's bad. It's also about soccer. I'll tell you right now, that's true for one. The second thing is it doesn't count as a real movie or a real show just because you put a medium expensive camera onto a gimbal. Mm. Everybody does that. And it's like I'm seeing these things that I'm like, these are the same YouTuber... These are like the yeah. same YouTuber hacks, like these editing and these like shots that people are getting. I'm like, I just see this on YouTube. This is not premium. Right. This huh. is like a bad written version of what someone could have done on YouTube. Yeah, it was really bad. But anyways, if there's an Apple TV show I'm missing out on, let me know. I watched Ted Lasso, was terribly disappointed. I got through three episodes of that. And then I tried out a show that has a neat concept, that, but doesn't have the best execution. And I think it's just 
bad actors and it is called for all mankind oh, it's yeah. a neat space concept one. yeah it's the idea of like imagine like the space actor, race but the, yeah the show's uh-huh. whack wait what's it the was like imagine yeah, yeah imagine the space raced kept going it was like okay. russia and the u.s continued to battle it out in the space race okay so it's now it's present day 40 years later or whatever and and i don't still know going. where it gets i only watched an episode of it and that was the sort of thing that was like well apple tv originals suck but if i'm wrong let me know listeners hit me up on instagram i'd be really so curious here's what's interesting so their the first big apple show was the one with your celebrity crush jennifer oh, yeah. aniston it was like a it was <laughs> about like a morning talk show they spent more money on that show than Game of Thrones. Oh, my God. Well, they didn't produce Game of Thrones, so they probably spent but zero on it. Here's the thing, right? Like, so, no, Chris. Oh, here's, here's, my other, here's my other recommendation. This is my strongest recommendation. Okay. This is what we need. It's a book called Post-Corona by Scott Galloway. He wrote it during the lockdown. Man, he's He's quick. a business professor from NYU, from the Stern Business School. He's one of my favorite follows uh, on all social media. I think he's brilliant. And he wrote a whole book about how he thinks the world will change after Corona, like how he thinks it'll basically be. He starts off with this premise saying that time is not like when you think about time as his history, it's things change faster after certain cataclysmic events. Mm-hmm. So after right. previous pandemics and plagues, we had the Renaissance or the Roaring Twenties, and he sort of gives his predictions and thoughts about how the global economy and individual businesses will change after this pandemic. Give us a couple of spoilers. <laughs> Would that be a disservice? I invested more in Amazon was the big yeah. one. What he sort of talked about in particular, so the, the, the positive side was he was talking about how this will push healthcare further faster, right? Because now we've kind of realized that we need our medical records digitized because we need to be able to communicate, Zoom call over doctors, exchange things, get prescriptions without sort of meeting in person. And that's something that should have already happened, but it's really hard to push through bureaucracy. But suddenly when there's a sense of urgency, shit gets done. So what's great is he talked about some really good and positive things that are happening because of this, in addition to a lot of things that are a little bit troublesome. But it's very matter of fact. It's like, here's what I think will happen. Here's why. Here's some residents for it. So it's, I think it's like for anyone that's sort of planning out what they're doing over the next 10 years, I think it's a really valuable book. It's available on audio. So that's always great. I love it. I'm on, I think I'm about 90% of the way through. So I just have a little bit more left, but what if the last any book you get is like and whatever you do do not invest in amazon (laughs) no yeah any book you get all the way through is worth recommending yeah you know yeah mike couldn't make it through three episodes of ted lasso well a lot of times you get through 60 percent, and you're like all right well they're gonna figure out how to rephrase this a lot more times now they're just trying to hit a word count yeah he's one of the people that i consume a lot of i don't think he's infallible i don't he makes a ton of mistakes there's a ton of things i disagree with him on particularly politically but what i like about him he's really quick to admit when he's wrong like he was wrong on tesla stock like he was he points out that like tesla sells four hundred thousand cars a year but has a value greater than the top four auto manufacturers which sell 26 million cars a year how does that make sense Mm-hmm. But so he predicted that Tesla's stock price would do differently than what it has done. And then he goes, yeah, I was wrong. They told a better story. People believe in the future. People are betting long term with them. So I really like that kind of I like people that aren't squirrely. 
Like you can be smart and still be wrong. Just admit it. Don't constantly backtrack and try to be a Skip Bayless and prove how you were right. Yeah, for sure. So good, good information. Check it out if you're sort of a young entrepreneur, particularly. Nice. Cool. Chris, what do you got, man? I'm going to uh, class it up even further since I still like, I feel like we're digging ourselves out of that uh, Jake Paul fight hole still. <laughs> yeah, that's with a, a hole. <laughs> with, a, with a pick from the Rockler Desk Challenge, which by the time this episode comes out, entries have closed, I guess. The 30th of November was the deadline for getting things in. I don't know exactly when we'll make our final decisions just because of the whole hashtag thing. Like we definitely want to make sure we see everything before we pick winners. But the video that I saw this week, it's actually weird. So I didn't even find this by searching Instagram. It was actually on Reddit and I was scrolling through and it was like the top thing, I think in the woodworking subreddit. And I was like, Oh, Hey, look, Rockler desk challenge. There you go. But it comes in from a guy named Kevbot Workshops is his Instagram handle. I went and found it and he did a desk obviously for himself. And it's, it was cool because like you, you could tell he put all like the things that are important to him in it, like in terms of like cable management and that type of stuff. Like he, he really spent time doing all that stuff. And then aesthetically he did this like really cool mosaic pattern over the left side bank of drawers, which I think are like false front drawers. But then on the right side, he did one of those like kinetic doors, you know, like the, um, like the one that like Johnny builds did mm. to, Oh wow. Where, like yeah. folds and like appears on the other side or whatever. I don't know how to explain it better than that but <laughs> it makes sense yeah go go check out him he, he's demoing it in the uh instagram thing that you'll see kinetic or just google kinetic folding door i guess but yeah it's a it's a really cool looking desk that he did and he also made a video that's like 20 minutes long so yeah it was a cool project nice i'm gonna give a shout out to furs dot woodwork that is f-e-r-z dot woodwork he did a sit stand desk but the whole base is wood also there are mechanic there's like a mechanical controller and the hydraulics or the mm-hmm. the motor to make it go up and down oh, yeah. but it's not a metal base it's yeah, actually cool. a wooden base so when it's down it looks just yes wooden. <laughs> that's the key yeah it, it totally disappears whenever it's down and then i'm sure whenever it transforms it makes it that much more cool <sighs> he knows where the impact is it's in the reveal of a standing you know yeah So shout out on that one. And Chris, you hit it. It was something that I wanted to mention. Also, I've had a few people message me regarding the hashtag updating. I've also had some just questions on, Hey, is it okay if I get it in the 30th or is that the day that the cutoff is? We always give a little bit of a cushion just because we know every project has a mistake to fix somewhere. So we've all, we always give a day or two this time we get the world is in a crazy place. And we also understand that Instagram is not updating hashtags the way they're supposed to. So we are giving a cushion. We're just going to leave it open as we sit now, but just know, get your projects in. And as soon as we have confirmation that everybody's projects are visible and accessible, then we can go and make a, make a decision in good faith. Indeed. All right, cool. Send it home because I'm sick of being stabbed in the eye by Ben here with his. I have one more obsession. Knife. Oh no! All right, put the knife away, Ben. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I apologize. Chris is getting nervous too close to the screen. He keeps backing away. I'm losing beard hairs here. My obsession is also an R.I.P. It goes out to Alex Trebek. Oh uh, yeah, mm. from Jeopardy. I was never a fan of Jeopardy, but after Shocking. his after his passing. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, come on, man. What? It's on daytime TV. No, it's you know? like seven o'clock at night. That was that was a dinner time no, viewing for me. Like, I, uh, it was just me. I was imagining the inverse where Mike was saying, you know what? I'm a huge fan of the man. I'm becoming yeah. a huge fan. No, a this is dude. the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm not going to act like I've watched a lot of Jeopardy. I really haven't I my whole life. I've probably seen 15 minutes of an episode a couple of times. <sighs> It is a great show. And the cool part is it's on Netflix. So you can just kind of play a whole season in a day because mm. they play so fast. Oh, man. Without commercials, an episode is literally probably 15 to 16 minutes. And the dynamic of Jeopardy is so much more interesting than I thought it could be. The fact that a winner gets to come back. Heck yeah. And just rack up as much money as he can basically defend, you know, because it's king of the hill. If you win, you get it's if you make it, make it, take it. You know what I mean? If you win that, if you win that night, you get to come back tomorrow. It's it's like so you could win 20 grand one night, 15 grand the next winner stay in. Yeah, exactly. You could make 30 grand the next night. And so I'm watching these people. I've had it on the background constantly. I've ran through <laughs> two seasons editing. in like a week. Mike's the entire day, like Netflix genius, is just like soaking it all in. <laughs> well, Je- Jeopardy, one more time, is great because you can just pop in and out. As long as you know what the score is and what next, what the next <laughs> right. question is, you're in it. <laughs> like true. if you missed five minutes, it doesn't matter. Wait a minute, who's Ted? And there's the funniest thing that happens with Jeopardy. When a guy goes on a run, it doesn't matter if you knew he was going to win the, the moment he came on. And it doesn't matter if he got he was an underdog and he was able to stay for four days or four weeks. As soon as you lose Alex Trebek during during the exiting conversation, when there's closing credits, yeah, yeah, yeah. the music is going. He's talking to the contestants and Alex Trebek in the game show world is at least known as kind of the conversationalist, right? He, he talks to the, he talks to the contestants mm-hmm. and that is their time to shine. When Alex Trebek asks you like who you are and then something like a little story to right. tell, it's all the pressure in the world. And when people do it well, they are so happy. And when people do it poorly, they, I, you see it on their face. Yeah. They regret it for the rest of their life. <laughs> but when somebody goes on a oh, run yeah, yeah. in jeopardy so like and then loses, Oh yeah, yeah. At the end of the episode, Alex Trebek does not give them any attention. He just talks to the winner. It's his yeah. job to talk to the winner. And so you see this, you see this person that's been used to getting all of Alex's attention at the end of the How episode. Other, and he's just so thirsty, like trying to get into the conversation oh, every time. <laughs> and then every once in a while he'll he'll give a little side yep. eye to him and let him know hey i'm letting you down easy here but this guy won i'm talking i'm talking to dave now i'm sorry joshua it's not your turn anymore it's so hilarious my last comment on that is alex trebek was never a big deal at any point during his career but he did the damn thing for so long and did it with yeah. dignity and with class and was just didn't didn't do any hype things he's the opposite of jake paul He's not just right, like right. flashing the pan that does annoying things and tries to be obnoxious. He's the opposite of like a Floyd Mayweather. He just, he it's just. like a George Foreman. Right. He's, Here's he, a good he, example. He's not a troll at all. He just did his job, understated it, did it well, and he became beloved. And I think that that, when, when you, you know, when you see the people that, whose careers really get celebrated, it's a lot of that. Not the right. people that were. 
hey, look at me, watch this, check this out, look at my river table. I have a good example of that. High approval rating across right. the board. So I've watched quite a few episodes, and any time they do an episode without clearing all of the boards, the next episodes, the the next episode without fail, this happened I think three times. It might maybe more, maybe less. I don't pay attention perfectly. Right. But over two seasons. Yeah. No, no, no. I watched two seasons. Every time they do an episode and they don't clear the boards, he's like, hey, and then as soon as the next episode starts, he's like, hey, everybody, welcome to Jeopardy. These are our contestants. And he's like, last episode, we didn't clear the board. So this time I'm not talking. We're just we're, we're running it. And he does every time. Let the questions be the star. Like, right. Like if the game doesn't get com- get to be completed in the time allotted, he makes sure he it does pissed. next time. It's not about him. You know what I mean? He's like, sorry. He apologizes. He's like, hey, sorry. I talked so much last time. We're going to get to it. So, yeah, Alex Trebek, an OG, a true OG. And I did not have the respect for him that I do currently. Or or I, you know, I didn't know he had so much swag. He really does. When Bob Barker dies, no one's giving him this attention. (laughs) Is he alive? No idea. See? (laughs) I win my See, point. yeah, but what is that's I the beauty of being know. able to ride out. That's the beauty of being able to ride out into the sunset. Bob mm. Barker, he sparked hot. He was in Happy Gilmore, and he had Prices Right. <laughs> I think nah. in the other order. <laughs> All right, take it home, Mike. <laughs> All right, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for submitting questions. Keep them coming. We love talking about things that are a little outside of the box. Mm. If you want to give us a review on your app that you listen with, we'd appreciate it big time. A five-star would be great. All it does is let the app know we're a good show and to suggest us to people that listen to similar content. You can find me, Mike, at Modern Builds. You can find Chris at Four Eyes Furniture. And you can find Ben at Benjamin Ueda. Figure out how to spell it, and we'll see you next time (laughs) on the Modern Maker Podcast. Bye, everybody. (laughs) Bye.